Greetings, Grace family. These are certainly strange days we're all living through, aren't they? You know, I've been asking myself lately, how will we look back upon this time in history? Will this time mark our lives in some lasting ways? Well, this much I know is true. The God we serve and worship is sovereign over all that is happening around us, and He is faithfully at work accomplishing His purposes. And even though our spiritual adversary, the devil, is looking to leverage these world events to wreak havoc in our hearts, and even though rulers and authorities are seeking to leverage these events according to their worldview and best interests, the plans of our sovereign Lord cannot be usurped or derailed. And in the midst of what can feel to be a great disruption, I am greatly encouraged by that truth. Now, many of you have been wondering what our next steps are in how we gather, especially in light of the loosening of restrictions that is unfolding right now. We hope you all were able to watch the video communication we sent out last week where Dave and I shared with you our perspective and, and plans for the coming weeks. At that time, the government mandate was still in a stay-at-home phase. But, but with some pressure from the president this past Monday, the governor passed down new guidelines for faith communities. The guidelines were more or less what we expected, specifically that gathering spaces could not be filled to more than 25% of room capacity, up to a maximum of 100 people. And for us, that would equate to about 85 people in our space at a time, which would require around six to eight services uh, to accommodate our average weekly attendance. Other guidelines include things like six-foot spacing, face coverings, the inability to provide childcare for multiple families at the same time, limitations on traffic flow, parking lot reconfiguration, just to name a few things. The bottom line, as we see it, the experience of this type of gathering is not something that we see as that life-giving and not something we are interested in pursuing until guidelines ease such that our coming together as a larger community would be something we would actually want to attend. So the strategy we laid out last week stands. We will be moving to organize smaller home gatherings immediately. And these smaller gatherings will afford us to meet in such a way that we can experience meaningful fellowship and worship together. We will be providing direction and leadership for these gatherings, all of us moving through the same material, getting to share in God's Word together, prayer, worship, and sharing our lives with one another. And for those with children, our children's ministry is hard at work, preparing worship at home kits stocked with great resources for our little ones to engage in. The way we're thinking about this is that these smaller gatherings are not our reluctant accommodation to this situation, but an exciting opportunity to leverage the circumstances we've been given into an experience of the body of Christ that we think Jesus would be so pleased for us to experience. And from the response to our recent survey we sent out, we were so encouraged that so many of you were willing to give yourself to this. We've got a lot of work and coordination ahead of us, but we want to get these gatherings rolling as soon as possible. 
And if you didn't fill out last week's survey, we've included a link in this email that accompanies this video, which will take just a few seconds to fill out, just to let us know if you're interested in being a part of one of these home gatherings. So please take a moment to do this, and we'll be in touch with you in the coming days. Personally, I'm really excited for this opportunity, and I think we're in for something special together. Well, let me close this time by reading to you one of my favorite passages in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for harm, to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Let's raise our voices together to the God who is always faithful in the hard times and the good. Sacred brother, friend like no
Would you bless our time together today? Bless the stories we hear about your power among us through your Holy Spirit. God, we are grateful people for all that you do. Blessed beyond measure by a gracious God and a loving Savior. We thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today we conclude our series on the Holy Spirit, appropriately on Pentecost Sunday. And this is the date that the church remembers that very first day when the Holy Spirit was unleashed on those original Jesus followers in a way that ended up changing the world. And it's been quite a journey we've been on these last five months, hasn't it? A little, little unexpected, but it's been beautiful to be talking about the Spirit through this whole process. And really our goal in this series was to help us expand our understanding and our imagination and our experience of who the Spirit is and what He does in our lives. And at the very beginning of this series, I mentioned that growing up, I had a pretty narrow view of the Spirit. When I thought about Him, His work was limited to a very narrow scope of activities that I thought He was about. And the longer I'm on this journey, the more I read Scripture, I realize what a comprehensive role He plays in our journey of faith. I mean, He is a part of every aspect of the Christian journey. And so we've looked at these different aspects of the Spirit's work in our lives. We looked at the very beginning, how He's the one who gives us new birth in the first place. He's the one who brings our minds into the truth of Jesus. He's the one who convinces our hearts that we are now God's children by adoption, His beloved sons and daughters. He's the one that constantly is working in our hearts, changing us from the inside out so that over time we become more and more like Jesus. He's the one who works in our community, bringing unity among us. He's the one who gives spiritual gifts to this community. So as we use our gifts, we build one another up in maturity. He's the one who guides us and prompts us in our interactions with those in the world. Really, every aspect of our Christian walk involves the Spirit. You cannot live a single day well without the Spirit's work in your life. And if I had to sum up what the Christian journey is all about, it would be this. Trust and follow Jesus and walk in the Spirit. That's, that's the journey. And so we wanted to end this series by hearing a couple stories from within our, our own community of how the Spirit's been at work. So we're going to share just four brief stories with you and what I love about these stories is these are simple stories. They're not overly dramatic. They're not overly miraculous, but they're, they're meaningful and they're relatable. They're ways that the Spirit has been at work in people's hearts in ways that are beautiful and meaningful. And they're also ways that people have chosen to say yes to the Spirit, to His promptings and to what He's calling them to do and just been faithful to step out and do that. And they've seen fruit from that. So we want to share these stories. And let me just say, you know, none of these people were, were itching to get in front of a screen to share these stories, as you can imagine. We had to ask them, and they were gracious enough to say yes. And so we're super grateful for that. But that's the spirit in which these are being shared. So with that, let's just hear from members of our own community about how the spirit has been at work. Good morning, Grace. I shared with you last time on Easter Sunday, I told you a little bit about my fears and my struggles and anxiety, especially as they have related to my health issues. I also shared with you how God used these health issues to teach me about Himself and how His faithful presence in my life has changed everything. 
I'm so very grateful for the work that God has done in my life. He has taken me from a complete lack of trust in Him to a much deeper trust in His goodness and His sovereignty. I cannot tell you how often I remind myself of these two character qualities. At the beginning of our time in quarantine, the Holy Spirit impressed upon me this verse from Matthew. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. I was so thankful for this verse to serve as a reminder for me that nothing can happen to me without the will of the Father. Little did I know that the reason the Holy Spirit had given me this verse was yes for quarantine, but they were really for a few days following my sharing with you on Easter Sunday. Tuesday night after Easter, I woke up around midnight with extreme abdominal pain. Thinking maybe it was just a weird stomach ache, I took some medicine, but the pain did not go away. I tossed and I turned and I tossed and I turned until about four in the morning when Mark woke. I was able to tell him what was going on and that if it wasn't for COVID, I thought I should go to the emergency room. Mark arranged for me to talk to a teledoc and due to my symptoms, the doctor told me to go to the ER right away. I did just that and the minute I walked through those doors alone, I was filled with a peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. The verses from Matthew kept flooding my mind. Tracy, not even one hair can fall from your head without the will of the Father. Tracy, God cares for the sparrows. How much more does he care for you? Even though I was alone without my family due to COVID, I never felt alone, not in the ER, the OR, or the fifth floor of Hope Hospital and I was never afraid. I have struggled so much with fear and not trusting God, but He has taught me so much, and the Holy Spirit was comforting me just as Jesus promised He would do. He was with me, and He was reminding me of the truth that I had come to depend on at the beginning of quarantine. During my 36 or so hours at the hospital, I again felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit. This time, it was to keep my eyes open. I had had surgery, but my I was so alert to my surroundings. It was like he wanted to show me a movie and the movie was about humanity. People who have been created in the image of God. He wanted me to take note and see the goodness and the kindness of people. He wanted me to pray for the man across the hall who had begun end of life proceedings. He wanted me to pray for the alcoholic man who had fallen and hurt himself severely. He wanted me to pray for the woman down the hall who was alone and was afraid. I had this small picture of life being shown to me, and he wanted me to notice it. He wanted me to see this slice of life through his eyes. I also felt him impress upon me to encourage the staff and tell them how grateful I was for caring for me, for the dying man, for the alcoholic man, and for the woman who was feeling afraid. It was such an incredible time with the Lord and sounds so weird, but when I was discharged from the hospital, I was so joyful because I had experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit in such supernatural ways. My diagnosis was appendicitis, nothing too serious. And two days after sharing with you on Easter Sunday about God, how God had changed my heart and given me new eyes, I was in the hospital. It was as if the enemy thought he could cause my trust in God to waver by putting me there alone 
in a place where I have experienced so much physical and emotional trauma and in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. But my faith did not waver, not even one little bit. In fact, the opposite happened. My faith increased. This is not a work of my flesh. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in me, and I am so grateful. Hi, I'm Evan. And I'm Steve. So around the time that we were doing the spiritual gifts uh, sermon, I'd been praying for Stephen and his family because they were going through a pretty tough time. And that sermon kind of sparked in me, hey, I need to do more than just pray for them. Um, so it, in our home groups, we started to talk about what our gifts were. And I, I thought back to growing up what had been taught to us from a very young age of service. Um, waking up Saturday mornings to go help families move, um, always our favorite, um, or cooking meals. I remember going after school, I'd have to go to drop off a meal with my mom or my, my mom and my brother or somebody just to a family that was in need. And then I also remember being on the receiving end of that when my dad had a heart attack and uh, the church community rallying around us and providing meals, lunches, dinners, um, taking care of us and the impact that that had for me as a fourth grader, um, it, it, it has resonated with me um, significantly. And so uh, I just reached out to Stephen that week and asked if I could cook him a meal. Well, the, the timing couldn't have been better. We felt exhausted. We felt sad and, you know, we just felt at times it was just too much. It was overwhelming. And, um, you know, there was a period of time where my niece was uh, in the ICU. And then uh, we discovered that after she had died, we discovered she was a, a perfect match for two other individuals that could use her organs. And there was a period of time where they had to harvest those organs. And then we had the really hard uh, duty to figure out how to do a Zoom call for her funeral and accompany my brother, my sister-in-law, my nephew while they were graveside with hundreds of family and friends watching uh, via Zoom. And so his call was right at the right time. It was uh, a respite in what otherwise would, it was a very turbulent time. And uh, we, we were just expecting you know, anything. It could have been peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But, uh, you know, he told me he was going to bring a dinner and what he brought was a feast. And, you know, when you expect just anything and then somebody takes the time and trouble to really do something special, um, it was special. Uh, the barbecue sauce was locally sourced from a barbecue restaurant five hours away uh, you have to drive to go get this. Uh, the chocolate is, is single sourced. It, it comes from one place and it's made uh, here in America. Uh, the salt, the salt is from a mine in the United Kingdom and it's hand harvested and it tastes so good. And all of these things together made a magnificent meal, but it didn't stop there. It went on to feed my neighbors who were walking by and we'd say, hey, you want something to eat? Come over. And we'd make a plate and then give it. And by the end of the night, there were five families that enjoyed what we enjoyed. 
one of my neighbors came over. She has chronic back problem. And uh, she was so grateful for the simple gesture of a meal. And uh, we've got Evan to thank for that. So uh, we're really grateful. And that night, Stephen had called me and he told me who he had fed beyond his family. And it was definitely um, eye-opening and um, exciting to hear that the the impact of the meal went beyond just his family, something that was never intended, um, as well as it went to my neighbor who I had never spoken to really in the year that I'd lived at my house. And I decided I'd bring him a plate uh, of barbecue as well. And it just sparked new conversations from that as well. So the impact of just one, one meal, um, it's been pretty significant um, for me and I think for Stephen as well. Well, a small decision on his part to do something that he loves to do had such a big outcome. It was like a modern day five loaves and two fish story where it just kept multiplying and uh, a lot of people were blessed as a result of his willingness just to take a, take a risk. So thank you. So I have the opportunity to share a personal story this morning, and it's one that has increased my faith and just reminded me how important it is to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And it was back in November that we moved as a family to a new home, and we have a property manager. And our property manager is somebody who I've chatted with a little bit, but I don't really know and haven't really interacted with since we moved. So it was very strange when on April 16th, during this quarantine, I woke up in the morning and Bridget, our property manager, was just squarely on my mind. Uh, and I found it odd, but didn't think too much of it. And then as I went on in my morning, she just continued to come to mind for different reasons. And I began to think, why does she keep coming to mind? And it's interesting, just about an hour later, I was filling out paperwork for Jessie and she needed to uh, show her residency verification by providing our lease. So lo and behold, here I am pulling up an email from our property manager and then at the top of the lease is her name again. And I just finally paused and I thought, God, what are you wanting me to do with this? You keep bringing her to mind. What is this and why are you doing that? And it's interesting, as I was praying for her and thinking about her, I thought, well, it's quarantine and we have this pandemic happening and I know it's affecting people in a lot of different ways, so maybe she's hurting over that, whether it be financial or health-wise. And so I just kept praying for her and I had this sense that she might be hurting. I didn't know. I don't really even know her, like I said. So. I decided on a whim that I would send her an email and just encourage her. So it's interesting, I sat down to write her this email and I just said, hey, you've been squarely on my mind and I've been thinking about you and praying for you. And I paused and I thought, I don't even know how she'll receive that. I know nothing about her. And then I felt like I had this inclination that I needed to share truth with her, which felt super risky. So I actually said, I'm asking God to make his grace abundantly known to you. And I want you to know that God loves you and he sees you. And I just signed it with hope for me. And before I sent it, I had this pause moment where I thought, am I nuts? Is this so crazy that I'm sending this to what would feel like a random out of the blue email to this person? And this is not the type of relationship we have. And yet I did it. I just hit send and I thought, okay, I'm not gonna think about it anymore. 
And I went into a meeting, it was a Zoom meeting, because you know, that's the day and age we're in. And after that meeting, I got out and I saw that I had a voicemail message from her. And I'll tell you that strangely, I actually got a little nervous because I did not have any idea how she was gonna respond to that. And I knew she would probably recognize it as loving, but I don't know, it just felt odd. And so I pause and I hit play and I was taken back by her response. She had a very sad and somber voice and she said, Christina, you have no idea what a gift your message is. My dad passed away this morning at 6.55 a.m. And I'll tell you, that was right around the time that I had woken up and had her on my mind and heart. I was so blown away, one, just heartbroken for her that she had just lost her dad that day, but I was also super moved. I was moved that God clearly sees her and he loves her and he wanted to express his care for her. And I don't even know if she knows him. I also was kind of um, surprised and amazed that God was speaking to me in those small ways that the Holy Spirit was communicating just simply by the things that were on my mind and heart. And at the time, I had no idea. I wouldn't have said, oh, the Spirit's moving me to email her. It's just that I was listening to these promptings that I kept having. And then I also, my faith was increased. Like I, I walked away from that going, oh my gosh, God, you are in those little things that are in my mind and heart, and I want to be paying attention to those. And so I've been reminded that we serve a living and active God. He's, a, he's a, awake and moving in the hearts of his people. Um, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I can tell you clearly that the Spirit was speaking to me. And it was just about listening to the things that are on my mind and heart and then inviting him into those asking him to be present and speak to me through those. And then I just got senses about things, whether or not they're accurate sometimes, I don't know. This time, clearly there was an accuracy to that, that the Holy Spirit was saying, here's a hurting person and I want you to show her my love. And what's crazy is I'm totally humbled by that. I'm humbled that God allowed me to be a part of his expression of love for this person that I hardly even know. And so I just want to say, when the Spirit moves, it is so not a result of anything we've done. It is purely a reflection of His grace in our lives. But He wants us to be a conduit of His love. And oftentimes, I think He moves and speaks to us in that still, small voice. And we just need to be listening. And we actually have to be quiet enough to hear the things that are on our mind and heart that may be Him at work. So with that, let's listen and be prompted by the Spirit. Hi, Grace family. My name is Christina Brandman, and I just wanted to share a short story with you about how I have experienced the Spirit at work in the past two months. And the main way that I've seen the Spirit at work is through a new relationship with a neighbor. Since Dave's message about neighboring, it really has been on my husband and my heart to reach out to our neighbors. And there really wasn't much movement in this area, so I kind of let it slip to the back of my mind for a while. But about two months ago, um, I was out on a walk with my dog, just a typical afternoon, and a young girl in her 20s approached me to talk about my dog. We began to chat, and as we chatted, I noticed that she had a verse tattooed on her arm. So I asked her if she was a believer, and she expressed that she was new to the area, she was a new believer, and she had really been struggling during this time without any community. So we decided to exchange numbers 
and go on a social distancing walk soon. Now, I didn't think much about this interaction in the moment, but when I returned home, I realized that maybe God was putting something on my heart to pursue regarding neighboring. And so she actually reached out almost immediately and we went on our first walk around the back bay. It lasted three hours and she talked to me about her testimony and I shared mine with her. She opened up about her broken family background and her parents' use of drugs, alcohol, and having multiple partners. As she was growing up, her parents did not hide their lifestyle from her, and she even followed their example well into her 20s. It wasn't until the morning after a crazy night of partying that she realized there might be more for her. And now she told me on the walk, she said, if God came after me and saved me, he can save anyone. Her testimony was extraordinary, and I was blown away by her vulnerability. After our, after our walk, I knew the Spirit was prompting me to maintain this relationship. To be honest, I was a little nervous given our current circumstances with COVID-19. But nevertheless, the Spirit was moving and my role was to respond. A few days later, she reached out again and asked me to go on another walk. It definitely interrupted my day, but I was so glad that I said yes. She opened the conversation immediately saying, I knew I needed to talk to someone who has been walking with the Lord for a while. I'm struggling living with my non-Christian roommates. And last night I drank and made some choices that I'm not sure are okay and what's not okay. I didn't expect her to ask me for guidance so soon and I didn't feel qualified to tell her what to do or what not to do. So I was internally praying and asking the Lord, what do you want me to say to her? And at that moment, the Spirit prompted me to just ask her some questions instead. I started to ask her, well, how did you feel that night after you went to bed? She stated that she actually repented right away. Then I asked her, how did you feel the next day? when you woke up. And again, she said she knew it wasn't right. It became so clear to me that the Spirit was already talking to her and directing her. I just needed to point that out and have her and show her how to listen. I said, you know that the Spirit reveals to us when we are choosing things that are lesser, when we are not choosing the life that God has for us. He doesn't intend for you to have a feeling of emptiness after making certain choices. A simple way to check yourself before making a choice is to ask, is this what God has intended for me or is this something lesser that I'm choosing? She admitted that she didn't want that feeling of emptiness either. And I was able to further explain how we are always going to be tempted by lesser things, but that His Spirit within us helps us overcome. Just like we have been learning on Sundays, when we walk in the Spirit, we are more easily interrupted. I was able to share in a fruitful conversation with a fellow believer in need because my day was interrupted. God revealed to me that He cares deeply about his, the members of His body. And even through a pandemic, 
He pursues those in need of community and belonging. If we are willing and walk in the Spirit, He will use us to express His care. Well, I hope you are as encouraged by those stories as I am. And now as we move from this series, I want to encourage us all to to think about what we've learned and what we've experienced and to ask ourselves moving forward, how can I walk in the Spirit? How can I keep in step with the Spirit every day of my life? How can I have my eyes and ears open to what He's doing? How can I live with a sense of awareness and even expectation that He's at work in me and around me? How can I step into what He's doing? How can I say yes to the Spirit's work in my life so that I cooperate with Him and move further and further on this journey with Jesus? That is the cry of our hearts as Christians. Come, Holy Spirit, in ever-increasing ways. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Good. Mm-hmm.
We hope you have found this encouraging, and we now invite you to consider these reflection questions that we've provided on the screen. And we leave you with this benediction. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. Amen. Amen.